Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. As, guys, as we come to chapter 49, okay, this is where we are, Genesis 49, we've learned that Jacob and the entire family have been living in Egypt for 17 years now. Okay, 17 years. Now, you remember they came to Egypt when there was what? Well, remember, go in your minds and remember there was the, there was a seven years of good, right? Seven years of plenty, seven years of, man, this is great. This is prosperous. This is amazing. And then, and then now we have the seven years of famine. Now, the famine isn't only in Egypt. It's, it's across really the world. And so it's affecting Canaan. Well, all of that, we've walked through that. So they're two years in. Okay, they're two years into the seven-year famine, and so 17 years later, the great famine is over, but guess what? Israel is living comfortable in the land of Goshen. I don't know if they should have said, hey, okay, famine's over, let's get back to Canaan, let's get back to business. They're sitting comfortable, they're good, hey, we got, this is good, we got great jobs, we got a great job. I mean, we got a great place. Look at this. Smell that. That is great. Yeah, but Egypt is right over there. I know, but hey, chill. It's okay. We're, we're good. We're good. And 17 years later, Jacob is on his deathbed. And if you recall, he, what does he do? He, he brings Joseph boys in, and their name is Ephraim and Manasseh. And he blesses them. And so tonight, guess what he's going to do? He's going to call in the rest of his boys. He's going to call them in, okay? And he's going to prophesy, if you will, over each one. Now, he's going to share a little bit of advance in history of, of what, what what's going to happen to each tribe. That's very important, okay? Because he's going to bless the boys, but we're going to see how it's prophetically to the tribe, Okay, very, very, very important. Now, here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping tonight that we'll learn and apply because there's both blessings and cursings to the boys. You see, it wasn't chapter 49 where it's all happy, feel good. It's like, no, there's some ble- and there's some stuff going down, like some cursing. I'm, and, and I'm hoping we'll learn. I mean, think about that. Whatever good or whatever bad they have done throughout their lives, Guess what's happening? It's going to come to life now in dad's death review, if you will. It's going to come to life. Remember when we said, hey, man, remember when, when they had to go back and tell dad that Joseph was alive and that he was the prime minister of Egypt? And they actually had to tell him, well, how did Joseph live? I thought you brought his coat back. I thought he was, he was killed by an animal. What do you mean? Well, dad, listen, here, here's the deal, man. Here's the deal. It, it was us. I mean, we actually sold him into... I mean, he had, they had to come clean. You understand that. And so now it's all going to come to light, okay? It's all going to come to light. Now, before we jump into our text, guys, I was thinking and praying uh, about tonight's lesson. And one of the main themes, okay, you guys ready? One of the main things we see tonight is that as individuals, we can easily reap what we have sown, we begin to reap what we have sown. Okay, so stay with me, okay? 
Jacob is dying. He summons in his boys to his bedside. Each boy is given a blessing or curse depending on what they did or, or who they are or what they did. Now, let me give you a quick example and then we'll unpack it. Reuben. This is Jacob's firstborn. Reuben, come in here, son. Come in here. Right? He should have received what they call the firstborn, the double blessing. He should have, he should have, that, that this is the, he should have received the birth Right, right? So he calls Reuben, but see, the problem was is that Reuben had sown to the flesh, if you guys remember, when he sinned with Bilhah. And so Jacob calls him out, he renounces him as his firstborn in status. And now we're going to unpack this just a little bit, but, but wait a minute, Ben, what do you mean we reap what we sow? Well, again, remember, Reuben sowed to the flesh, and, and, and so now this is kind of what he's going to reap. And you're going, oh, well, see, that doesn't make me feel good at all because I've messed up. I've done some crazy things. I've, there's stuff I'm not proud of. Yeah, okay, okay. But never rule out the grace of God. You see that even though Reuben as a person blew it, the grace of God, guys, was extended to his tribe and his family long after he was gone. As a matter of fact, Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 33 verse 6, he said, now when he comes, when he, this is about the tribe of Reuben. Let the tribe of Reuben live and not die, though they are few in number. So Moses even later on is going, okay, so we're going to extend grace to the tribe of Reuben. You go, pastor, your point. Well, think about this, guys. I know we we reap what we sow, and when we sow to the flesh and we sow to sin, we go, Argh. but I don't want you to rule out the grace of God. Because throughout Scripture, even though these boys messed up, did something crazy, killed an entire town, the grace of God is so much more. And I want to apply that to our lives. Because I don't want us to walk out of here going, oh, man, I have blown it so bad, you don't understand. I want us to go, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I, I love the fact that when I think about the reaping and sowing and the grace of God, I love the fact that it's the same, it's the same for us. And we go, what do you mean? Well, Guys, we often reap what we've sown, but because of Jesus, we've been extended the grace of God. So even though, now listen, even though we may have consequences in this life, it doesn't cancel out the grace of God for our eternal life. So key, so key. Now, as we make our way through Genesis 49, remember, this is actually what Paul told the Galatian church. Okay, in Galatians chapter six and seven, or chapter six, seven through ten, it reads like this. He says, "Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Okay, why, Lord? For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. There's the principle. Okay, God's not mocked. Whatever we sow, we're going to reap. For he who sows to the flesh will reap to the flesh corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will sow, will to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life." Everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall all reap if we don't lose heart. Therefore, as we have an opportunity, what does it say, guys? Let us do good to all, especially those of the household of faith. He goes, even though, man, you reap what you sow, here's what he's telling us. He's saying, listen, guys, here's the deal. 
as we have an opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those in the household of faith. So the boys, guys, are going to reap what they have sown. But what can we learn from them? What can we learn from them? Well, last night I watched the presidential debate. And for an hour and a half, my heart rate was over 80 80 beats per minute. And it's not what I expected. Now, I know most of you... Now, today, right after that was done, I try to avoid... You know, talking about it, I try to avoid, I mean, the news and, and who won and who lost. I mean, it was, it was, it was very stressful. And as I sat there, the Lord had pressed upon my heart. Here's what he said. He said, listen, no matter what, here's what he said. We start, we need to be nicer to each other. We need to start being nicer. This is what I got out of that. We need to start being nicer to each other. Okay. In our country, we have not been nice, guys, to people for a long time. And it's getting way out of hand. Listen, if you and I have an opinion about something, we can get run over by criticism, by threats and ugliness. It's just my opinion and people will just... I saw that. I saw that. I was just like, dude, seriously? I have a pastor friend who wrote this right after the debate and I wanted to, I wanted to share it with you. Okay, here's what he wrote, and this is, his, this is his quote. He says, if you don't like how the candidates comported themselves, behaved, at the debate, that's a good thing. However, that's how we as a culture act towards each other too often. And he said, let's do better, end quote. I thought, you know, I, I want to encourage you guys tonight to do better. I want to encourage you guys to be kind to one another. You wouldn't believe some of the things that I heard concerning opinions. And I said, Lord, we need to do better. Like what? Well, first and foremost, we need to respect each other. Won't you agree? We all have different positions. We all have different, this is where we stand, this is who we are. We need to respect that. We need to, guys, our goal tonight is to share the love of God with each other and everyone. Share the love of God. Guys, we're not going out of our way to let people know that there's a God that loves them. If you watch the debate, if you watch the debate, you probably felt like this, and, 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 and here's the deal. It gave you an indication of where our country is and the people in our country. And here's what God has done. God has given you the light, the gospel of Jesus Christ in your heart to share to the world. He says, go. And so we need to be doing that. We need to be doing that in just an awesome and practical way. We have 47 bags of food that we're going to give away. I wish it was more, but this is what God provided. We have 47 bags that I pray we'll be able to pray for people that come through. We'll be able to minister in ways. 
If you're gonna, if you're gonna share that, make sure you say, listen, it, only if you need it. We don't want people coming through here. We want those that really need it. That's what our goal. Our goal is to help. Well, Ben, you're gonna have people that drive through that don't need it. That's okay. God knows. But our goal, guys, our goal is to share the, listen, our goal is to pray for each other. I don't know why we keep looking. We're on the same team. I don't know why we keep looking down at it. Well, you know, they didn't do this. We need to be praying for each other. How you doing, man? You okay? You okay, sis? Come on, I got you. I got you. How can I pray for you, bro? How can I pray? Okay, I'll pray. And listen, church, you guys know this. You're going to laugh because you know how many times do we say, man, I'll pray for you, and then we don't. Or we say, I'm praying for you. Do it right then. Pastor, will you pray for me? I'll pray right now. When I tell him I'm praying right now, I need to stop because the Lord can visit. Are you going to pray? Hey, Ben. Yeah, Lord. You told him you're praying. I know, but I'm busy, Lord. No, let's stop and pray. We need to pray for each other. We're on the same team. Are we not brothers and sisters? Are we not? Man. I love it. What else? We got, we got to do better. Here it is. We need to display, come on, the fruit of the Spirit to others. We need to display that. I want to sow, guys, the, I want to sow these good things so that we can reap good things. Now, very quickly, last week we left off with Jacob's blessing of Joseph. Check it out. Chapter 48, 21 and 22, it says, Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I'm dying. Right? He's dying. But God will be with you and bring you back into the land of your fathers. Moreover, I've given you a portion. Okay, everybody get this? I've given you a portion above your brothers, which I took from the Amorite with my sword and my bow. So, Jacob, you're going to be blessed. I mean, Joseph, you're going to be blessed. I'm dying, but God is going to be with you. Now, let me ask you a question. What would you rather have more, God or land? (laughs) Oh, God, tell me God is with me. I love that Moses, you guys know Moses, right? Moses says, man, we're, Lord, listen, we're about to go. We're about to leave Egypt, but we don't want to go unless you go with us, and we don't want to stay if you're not here. That's what I want. I want more God. I want more God. How many of you find it very, very hard in these days to, man, just have that quiet time with Jesus? It just seems like everything's struggling against that. And then there'll be times you go, okay, 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 I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going I'm to do it. So you open your Bibles and you sit with your coffee and you go, okay. And then you just, oh, Lord, he didn't speak to me the way I thought. Oh, we get so frustrated. We need more God. I want more God. I want more God in my life. I want more God. I'll take the land too. He said, hey, he's going to bless you. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. So God is with you, plus you have more land. Now, that's when we come to chapter 49. What I call the cryptic blessing, because you're going to see some things in there. The cryptic blessing. You guys with me? Chapter 49, verses 1 and 2. And Jacob called his sons and said, gather together that I may tell you what will befall you in these last days. Gather and hear, you sons of Jacob, and listen 
to Israel, your father. Everybody see that? Everybody see that? Now, Jacob summons his boys. Final blessings, if you will. But I'm not sure if you noticed, guys. I'm not sure if you noticed or not, but look at verse 2 with me. Okay, I want you to discover what he writes. Okay, look up on the screen. He says, gather together and hear you sons of, help me guys, Jacob, and listen to who? I thought, wow, that's interesting. He, he employs both words. He employs, he employs his first name, Jacob, heel catcher, supplanter, deceiver, and then the, the name that God gave him, Israel. God rules. God rules. Ruled by God. And I thought, how amazing is that? So he calls his 12 boys in. Guys, picture the scene. Dad's dying. Dad's dying. Okay, it's sad, but dad's dying. He said, come on in. Come in and let me come and talk to you. And he says, he says, gather together, boys, and hear you sons of Jacob, right? Jacob. And I believe, I was like, man, that's so cool. Why? Because Jacob, by the flesh, right, he had 12 boys. That was Jacob. He had 12 boys. But he said, listen to Israel, your father. So we see here that Israel spiritually going to bless the boys. And this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Well, like what? Well, I had you guys by the flesh. Come on, boys. But let me bless you by the spirit. Who's the firstborn? Reuben. Look at Reuben, verses 3 and 4. Reuben, come here. Come here, son. Come here, Reuben. And Reuben's coming up. All right, Dad, this is great. This is it. This is the reading of the will. What am I going to get, Dad? Reuben, come here. Come here, son. Reuben, you are my firstborn. Yes, Dad, I was the firstborn. My might and the beginning of my strength. The excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. You, Reuben's going, yeah. Yeah, buddy. Unstable as water, you shall not excel. Why? Why? Son, because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. What? Guys, remember, 40 years earlier, Reuben had taken Bilhah. Bilhah was Jacob's concubine, and he had sexual relations with her. By having sexual relations with his concubine. So his concubine is like his wife, okay? He's not his wife, but he's like a wife. By doing that, guys, he dishonored his father. And it was almost this betrayal. And he says, Reuben, you're unstable as water. And your blessing, well, it's not really a blessing. He goes, you won't excel. You won't excel. Reuben, because you have sown in your life a lack of self-control. Reuben, wasn't it you who came back from Egypt and told me how you really were trying to stop your brothers from sending Joseph? You remember that? But it was sort of wishy-washy. You didn't stand up and say, hey, nah. You didn't make a stand. Reuben, Reuben, you were the firstborn. You were my strength. 
He says, you guys aren't going to excel. And what he means by that, guys, is that, is that there, is, um, there, there is no one, there's no figure, no judge, no prophet, no ruler will come from the tribe of, of Reuben. You guys aren't going to excel. And so Reuben's sitting here going, wow. I'm not the firstborn anymore because he took that and gave that to Joseph to Ephraim and Manasseh, and so he's tripping. Huh. Wow. But put yourself in Reuben's sandals. At this point, we could get super bummed. You guys know what I'm saying? We can just be like, you know, for, what did I, why did I do? I remember that day with Bill High, I just thought, man... No, I just didn't have any self-control. I thought, you know, she smiled at me, and so I was like, and, and I know that it was my father's. I mean, there were other, there was plenty of other, I just, oh, my goodness. But he could be super bummed. But, but what I love, and I don't want to rule out, guys, is, is I, I still see the grace of God in Reuben's life, even throughout his family. Why? Because not only does he say, okay, you're unstable as water, but he says, you're, you're going to have a prominent place in the promised land. You, you're going to have a place. I've got a place for you in the promised land. Okay, okay. But Ben, question. Didn't Reuben end up on the east side of the Jordan with the tribe of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He, he was promised, guys, okay, this is Transjordan. They all come up. Oh, wow, this is good. This is so good. Can we look at this? This is perfect. No, no, no. You really should go in over here. You should go into the promised land. This is what God has for you, I promise. You guys as brothers need to stick together. I know, Moses, that's going to be cool. But, 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 but this is so nice. I, I've got an idea. Hey, Mo, listen, if we leave our family here and we go help you conquer the land, can we have this? Moses goes to God. God says, yes, that's fine. So they come in, leaving their families over there. They come in, they conquer the land, and then they go back, and they hang out here. Two and a half tribes. Two and a half tribes. So what can we learn from Reuben? What can we learn from Reuben? Well, the first thing that comes up was 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 13. Check it out. It says this, the temptations in your life are no different than what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow you, allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way so that you can endure. Amen? What's he saying? He's saying, guys, there are going to be those times when we're going to be tempted. We're going to be tempted, and God says, no, 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 uh, there's no temptation that has overtaken you. It's all common. He's going to make a way of escape. What can we learn from Reuben? Reuben had a way of escape, so do we. And so the application to our heart is going, okay, Lord, Lord, help me to have self-control. Help me to have self-control. Help me to, to, to not give in to my flesh. It could be in a sexual area, or it could be Where? Guys, it could be being angry. It could be lashing out on Facebook. It could be, it could be criticizing a political party. It could be, um, dogging your friend. I mean, whatever it might be, we need to have self-control. No temptation. No temptation. 
Jesse taught on this a few weeks back. Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. What does that say? But the Holy Spirit produces what? This kind of fruit in our lives. What are they, guys? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and... Yeah, self-control. Self-control. There's no law against these things. But that's, that's the fruit of the Spirit. Self-control. Lord, I need the fruit of the Spirit. I need to walk in those things. I need to walk in love, in peace. I need peace. And you guys need peace? We need peace today, man. We need peace more than ever. There was not peaceful last night. I, mm, I need peace. I don't know about you, but it took me a good hour and a half to just settle down. And, and again, here's the thing. Here's why. Because I just felt like... And then God's like, hey, Ben, I'm still on the throne. But Lord, didn't you see what was going to happen? He goes, I saw what's going to happen. I got this. Hey, Ben. Yes, Lord. Keep your eyes on me. I'm coming back soon. I promise. I promise. I'm working things out. Okay, Lord, but what should I do in the meantime? Love. Share. Preach. You ever have a bummer day? You ever have a, a day where you get super bummed at times? I mean, let me say this to you guys. The enemy of our soul knows that time is short. So he's intensifying his attacks on Christians. I want you to expect them. Because as time goes short, you can expect those things. You go, okay, okay. It's going to come. They're going to come harder and harder and harder and harder and harder as time, as time goes. They're going to come. And when you're bombed, you need to realize that. Oh, oh. That's true. That's true. What does the enemy want to do? The enemy wants you to get you to stop talking. The enemy wants you to not share the love of Jesus. The enemy wants to get you to quit. Everybody say quit. Everybody wants you to quit. Give up. I'm done. I don't want this Christian thing. I'm done. That's what the enemy wants you to do. Guys, we can learn. We can learn. I, I want joy and I want peace. I need the fruit of the Spirit. That's Reuben. That's Reuben. Who's next? Simeon and Levi. Come on in. Simeon and Levi. Come on, boys. Look at verse uh, 5. Simeon and Levi are brothers, instruments of cruelty. This is his thing. Instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter their council. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they hamstring an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them. In Israel, here you are coming. Hey, Dad, what's my blessing, Dad? Here we are. Now, Reuben, Reuben's like, oh, man, okay, okay, but, but God is good. And now here come, and, and he says, Simeon and Levi, guys, whew, you messed up bad. 
These two were the ones, if you recall, these two were the ones who convinced all the men of Shechem to get circumcised after they raped their sister Dinah. They came in so mad, but they said, listen, here's what we're going to do. And then when there was the third day and they couldn't walk, guess what they do? They came into Shechem and they killed every single man. And here Jacob says, curse, he curses their anger and prophesies how they'll, they'll relatively become insignificant tribes. He says, I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. You don't hear much about the tribe of Simeon, but you do hear the tribe of Levi. You go, why? Check this out. Levi would find redemption of sorts. You go, how so? How? Well, if you were to fast forward in your mind to Mount Sinai, do you guys remember? Right? Here's, they're, they're having this drunken party, this, this sexual immorality going on. They're dancing around the calf and they're, Moses comes down with the Ten Commandments and remember he sits there and he's like, oh no. Are you kidding me? What does he say? He says, who is on the Lord's side? It was the tribe of Levi that said, we're going to go. And they come, they come to Moses. So they redeem themselves. Okay? They redeem themselves. And because of that, guys, because of that, because they were the first to respond, God made them the priestly tribe over the nation. So you have grace from Reuben, but you also have redemption. You go, what does that mean? Oh, guys, think about it. What's the application today? Here it is. Listen, even though, even though we've messed up, can I get an amen? We've messed up, can I get an amen? amen. We, we can be redeemed. Right? At Calvary Chapel, it's okay not to be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. So it's okay to come in here all messed up, but we want to work through you, disciple you, and get you. Okay, so think about this. The sins of our past can come back to haunt us. And even when we're forgiven, they may carry consequences that we may face. Thank God for his wonderful grace and redemption. You see, Simeon and Levite, they, they have to they have they have consequences. But it doesn't mean they're not saved. And it doesn't mean that they won't get a piece of land. And it won't mean that they won't be significant. But they have the consequences they have to deal with. And I think it's the same for us. I think sometimes, guys, when, when we give our lives to the Lord, we think that, and we pray that God would take away our fleshly consequences from, from our past away. We think, oh, Lord, please take them in. A lot of times he does. But there are times when we make mistakes and they're ever-present in our lives. And we go, but it doesn't change who God is in your life. See, that's the grace of God. You go, man. Okay, Judah, come on in, Judah. Judah, you guys remember Judah, right? Judah and Tamar, verse 8. Judah, 
You are he whom your brother shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone out. He bows down. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall arouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes. And he shall be with the obedience of his people, binding his donkey to the vine, and the donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine, and he clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, and his teeth whiter than milk. Guys, what chapter are we on? Genesis 49. But this is so prophetic. Why? Well, we've got to do some work, right? Because I love that we are under the grace of God. Why? Well, think about this. Judah was a cruel man. He was the brother that suggested they sell Joe into slavery. Hey, boys, gather around. Let's make some money on the old lad. Come on. This is Judah. Yet God determined... God determined it would be through this tribe that the Messiah would come. Jesus himself would come from the tribe of Judah. Jesus has often been called what? The lion of the tribe of Judah. So although, although Judah reaped some crazy, I mean, he sowed some crazy stuff. I mean, he was cruel, angry. I mean, he's, right? You guys remember the whole story with Tamar? Don't have time to tell you, but you guys know the situation. Gets his daughter-in-law pregnant. Thought it was, he thought she was a prostitute. God still redeemed that. Now, if God can use someone like Judah, he can use me. He can use you. He can bless you. Guys, you understand that. You understand that. And then in verse 10, he says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah. And this symbolizes the royal authority where Jacob gives power until Shiloh comes. Now, if you're taking note, here's what Shiloh means. The one to whom it belongs. You go, what does it mean? In other words, the right of the tribal authority would not depart from Judah till when? Until the coming of the one whom all authority belongs. That would be Jesus. That would be Jesus. I also like the fact that Judah, his name means praise. And people will praise Judah because our Savior came from this tribe. Jot this down if you're taking note for further reference. Micah chapter 5, verse 2 says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forths are from old, from everlasting. Micah is actually prophesying Here is Judah. Here's the deathbed scene, guys. Here's a a person named Judah who's probably pretty old at this point. And Micah says, 
Jesus is going to come out of you. The Messiah, the one who saves. Okay? So what can we learn from Judah? Even when we've blown it big time, God can and does still use us and bless us if we keep our eyes on him. I want you to think about this, guys. Think about this. I call it the what if. What if? What if Judah crumbled in self-defeat for his own actions? What if he came in and he just uh, and he just starts crying in front of dad and he just really just checks out, checks out of life? Do you realize that there are people today, people we know, that because of COVID, because of corona, because of job loss, because of all of this, guys, they are literally checking out of life. There are people like that, guys. It blows my mind. What's even, what's even more heartbreaking, guys, is that there are Christians who are checking out of life. What if Judah did that? But he didn't. Why? Because God's grace is greater in our lives. And even though we mess up at times, even though we stumble, even though we trip, even though we fumble, even though we punt when we should run, God still loves us. He's like, I got you. I got you. Guys, put put your past behind you and press into the blessings of Jesus. I want to say this as as plain as I can. Guys, we all make mistakes. We've all made mistakes. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all blown it. But God in his grace is so much more bigger than our mistakes. That's what I love about this is guys, this is what helps us fall in love with Jesus all the more. You go, man. Let me tell you about my past, Rosa. Hold on. And it's like, and but God goes, no, 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 watch this. Here's the cross. And I'm I gotcha. My sin was great. His grace was greater. That's a good place for an amen. I don't know about you, but that should, that should fire you up, man. So press into Jesus. Okay, let's go. We're moving. We're moving quick. Zebulun, Issachar, and Dan, chapter 49, 13 through 18. Zebulun shall dwell by the haven of the sea and shall become a haven for ships, and his border shall be Ajalon Sidon. Now, he says it's going to be a ha- this is This is your prophecy. You're going to be a haven for ships. Now, here's the thing. When you look up where Zebulun actually um, landed, he didn't dwell by the sea. You would think he'd be by the, the Mediterranean Sea. He really didn't end up there. If you do some study, guys, um, he, he got a portion of land where he was really landlocked. And God says, well, wait, Lord, God, you, Jacob, you just prophesied. You just prophesied that he was gonna be, he's going to be a heaven by the sea. Okay, so ready? I'm going to give you three schools of thought. You guys can pick whatever one you want to. Three schools of thought. First school of thought. Zebulun merged sort of with Issachar, okay, and they settled by the sea. Some people say that. That's a school of thought. Okay, so they didn't really have theirs, and you go, okay. School number two, Zebulun somehow got involved with the Phoenicians in their maritime pursuit. So they didn't get involved with Issachar. They decided to hang out with the Phoenicians. That's school number two. School number three, which I find very interesting, prophetically, they haven't really happened yet. According to Ezekiel 48, 
is going to happen and be fulfilled during the millennial kingdom where Zebulun is actually going to live by the sea. There's three schools of thought. Ben, which one is it? I don't know. I know they're landlocked. I know they're landlocked. I can just give you the information. You go, hmm, that's going to be interesting. So what happened to Issachar? He says, Issachar, come here. You're strong as a donkey, laying down between two burdens. He saw that rest was good and that the land was pleasant, so he bowed his shoulder to bear the burden and became a band of slaves. Now, he just called his son a donkey. You're as strong as a donkey. Now, this wasn't an insult, guys. This was actually a compliment. Why? Here's what I love about Issachar. This would be the hardest working blue-collar tribe in the nation. These guys got it done. These guys got it done. And I thought, you know what? When it comes to reaping and sowing, let us, as Christians, be the hardest working people at our jobs and the things that we do. Guys, may it never be said of Christians, any Christians. (laughs) Really? You're lazy, man. We should be the ones, because of Christ, we should be the ones that go above and beyond. We should be the ones that are the hardest working so we can sow these good things, guys. Why? Because the Bible says that we need to work not unto man, but unto God. If God is our boss, Joe, then we should work hard. If God is our boss. The problem is, is that we get our eyes down here and we start, well, my boss is, oh, sorry about his boss, his boss is right there. But my boss is this and my boss is that, you know, it's like, yeah, cut it, cut it. Um, But we should be the hardest working guys. Our boss should beam to have you on the team. Be like, wow, man, this guy shows up early, stays late. He's amazing. He's amazing. Dan, Dan shall judge his people. Verse 16. One of the tribes of Israel, Dan shall be a serpent by the way, a viper by the path, that bites a horse's heels so that the rider shall, be, shall fall backward. I have waited for your salvation, O Lord. Okay? So 18, he takes a break from the prophecy. It's not Dan's prophecy. He just sort of says, Lord, I'm just, I'm coming home. But Dan's name means judge. Okay? Meaning he shall judge his people. But I want you to know, get basically the prophecies that Dan is going to be a serpent by the way. You go, what does that mean, a serpent by the way? Well, it could be both positive and negative. Well, how so? Well, positive because Samson, you guys remember Samson? Samson was from the tribe of Dan and he was definitely Israel's most famous judge. He's from the tribe. That's positive. Now, Negatively, we have a fellow by the name of Jeroboam. Jeroboam. And Jeroboam, guys, would rebel against the leadership of Rehoboam. And he set up two golden calves. And of course, one way up in what we would call Tel Dan in Israel. And you can go there today and you can walk and you can see the site where Jeroboam actually built an altar. You can see it. Take a few steps and you can see Syria 
right there, the country of Syria. We're on the border. But Rehoboam said, um, Jeroboam said, no, 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 no. We don't, I, don't, I don't want you guys to go worship in Jerusalem. How about I do this? How about we worship here? And he set up two. You go, what was the point? Well, that's not what God had prescribed. But of course, this would introduce idolatry into the northern Israel. Guys, if we reap what we sow, here's what I want you to say. Let us sow into good things. Can I get an amen? Never make the good things ultimate. Why? For you see, ultimate things are idols. We want to sow into good things, but don't make the good things ultimate because then now it's an idol. Let's talk about Gad, Asher, and Naphtali, verse, verses 19. We're getting, we're getting quick here. Gad, a troop shall what? Shall tramp upon him. He shall be, he shall triumph at last. The bread of Asher shall be rich, and he shall yield royal dainties. Naphtali is a deer let loose. He uses beautiful words. Okay? So Gad means troop or triumph. Remember, he also settled on the east side of Jordan, but he stayed strong. Okay, Asher means bread, and I mean, if you go to Israel, part of the, where Asher, it's beautiful, it's lush, it's amazing, and Naphtali says, man, he's like, she's like a deer let loose, and someone who uses fine words, fine words. Well, he's going to finish up, guys, with, with Joseph and Benjamin. Joseph is a fruitful bow, he says, fruitful bow by a well, his branches run over the wall. The archers have bitterly grieved him, yes, shot at him, hated him. But his bow remained in strength, and his arms and his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there the shepherd, the stone of Israel, by the God of your father who will help you, and by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath, the blessings of the beasts in the land of the womb, the blessings of your father have excelled the blessings of my ancestors up to the utmost bound of everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him who was separate from his brothers. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning, he shall devour his prey. At night, he shall divide the spoil. Now, remember, dad starts thinking all about Joseph. And remember, he says, man, Joseph, you went through what now? Yeah, dad, I was... Listen, nothing against my brothers, but I was thrown in a pit, and, and listen, that was really left for me to die. And then they pulled me out. I'm thinking, okay, maybe it was just a joke. I'm, they're just kidding. And then I got sold into the Midianites, and I was a slave until I ended up in Potiphar's house. And then, then I had a good in Potiphar's house, but I still missed you, Dad. I still missed your family. I missed my bros. And then, and then I was, and you guys know the whole story. Two years in prison, keeping his eyes on the Lord. And Joseph, Jacob hears it. He says, son, you are God's strength. God has been what the enemy meant for evil, Joseph, here's the blessing. Here's the blessing, Joe. He gives Joseph the biggest blessing, guys, the longest blessing recorded. He was made strong, guys. Listen, here's, here's, what I want, here's the takeaway I want you to have. He was made strong by the mighty hands of God. Benjamin, he says, several warriors, guys, came from the tribe of Benjamin. Several warriors. Remember, Benjamin would remain loyal to Judah 
when Israel was split. Guys, when we had the 10 split, right, you had 10 tribes go up north, two tribes stayed down south. Guess what the two tribes were? Judah and Benjamin, loyal, loyal. What can we, what can we learn? What can we learn? Real quick, real quick. We know, guys, that, here, that, that we're made strong, not by us, but by the mighty hand of God. We're made strong. And I want to I wanna sow loyalty to the Lord. Oh, Lord, I, I want to be loyal. I want to be like Benjamin. I want to be loyal to you. That's what I want to sow because I want to reap. I want to reap those that are going to run with us in the battle, guys. That's what I want to reap. Okay. This is his blessing. Now, we're going to close, but we're going to close our study by reading Jacob's final wishes in 28 through 33. Okay? Look at verse 28. He says, all these things, all these are the 12 tribes of Israel, and this is what their father spoke to them. And he blessed them, and he he blessed each one of them according to his own blessing. Then he charged them and said, I am to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre in the land of Canaan. And Abraham bought the field of Ephron the Hittite as a possession for the burial place. And there they buried Abraham, Sarah, his wife, and they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife, And there I buried Leah, the field and the cave that were purchased from the sons of Heth. So what does dad do? Guys, listen, dad goes, guys, I'm dying. This is it. You understand he's about to take his final breath. (gasps) He says, make sure you bury me back in my cave. We bought this cave. And and Abraham's there and, and Sarah, that's where I want to. Oh, that's the place I buried Leah. I, I pause here for a moment real quick because, guys, verse 33 is actually, it's actually the intro to next week's study. But I, I, I'm just thinking about, I'm thinking about the, the mood and everything that's going on in, in Dad's dying. This is his final words. This is a deathbed scene. Wow. I wonder if the boys are crying. Or if they're strong, man, I gotta be strong. I gotta be strong. Let me give you some takeaways, guys. Let me give you some takeaways, and then we'll worship. Okay. Number one, you might be wondering. You might be here tonight, and you might be wondering and saying, "Well, Ben, 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 I gotta go." What do the twelve tribes of Israel have to do with me tonight? I mean, what are the twelve? I mean, well, okay, good, good question. First of all, it's good to study all the tribes, okay? Because where they ended up in history, I'm telling you what, the Bible will come together better. You'll understand. It's so important. You will get a good, firm grasp of the New Testament if you understand the Old Testament. So you go, okay, here's the tribes. Moving forward, when you read this, you go, oh, okay, got it. So we study verse by verse. But what I want you to take away is number two. We often reap what we've sown. And here's what I want you to do. 
we can learn from other people's mistakes as well as their successes. But here's the point. I want to learn and apply them. And even when I see somebody do great, oh, okay, that's what I want to do. I want to learn to do that. And when I see a brother fall, I want to pick him up and go, okay, I don't want to do that. I want to learn. I want to learn. And last but not least, takeaway, guys, is even though we all have all made mistakes, when we've come to Jesus, guys, we fall under his wonderful grace. And therefore, we're blessed even if we've blown it down here. That's what Jesus does for us. And if you fully understand that, you'll love him all the more because you realize, wow, wow. I like what Paul tells the Romans. He says, he says, man, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't while we were all cleaned up and pretty and, and, and waiting. And, and he says, well, man, when we were a mess and we were broken and we were just... That's when Jesus says, yeah, I love them enough. I'm going to die for them. That's good news. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word tonight and the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love. We love you, Jesus. We're excited for what you have for us. Bless our time. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.